Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Albert Einstein said there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. My conversation with best-selling author, speaker, coach, and spiritual teacher, Misa Hopkins, gets us in touch with our own ability to make miracles happen in our lives. Misa is the best-selling author of The Root to All Healing, Seven Steps to Heal Anything, and The Sacred Feminine Awakening has been seen on NBC, ABC, Fox News, Emotional Mojo, and featured on Spirituality and Health. She really shares an amazing message of how we can heal ourselves physically, emotionally, and show up as the best versions of ourselves in the world. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Thank you so much, Misa, for being with us today. It's just such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And I'm thrilled to get to know you a little bit better, too. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. I want to start by just talking to you a little bit about your career, because you started out as a special education teacher. Can you tell us just a little bit about that journey from being a special ed teacher to where you are today? Sure. Oh, I'd love to. Starting in special ed, I loved working with kids. I adored working with kids. And I don't know why I knew, but I did know that I needed to work with special needs children. And Stephanie, I worked with the toughest of the tough. I worked with kids that couldn't feed themselves, uh, didn't know how to walk, all kinds of big challenges. And then later on worked with kids with emotional traumas that they were working through. And now as I look back, I understand that I was finding a place inside of me as a teacher that eventually learned how to hold space for children to be who they were, to be their authentic selves. And and to me, that's feminine, that's sacred feminine energy, right? That holds us and loves the holy dickens out of us because we are who we are. And that was rich and powerful for me. But I also had this wonderful sacred masculine energy that could nudge, that could encourage, that could push a little, that the the story I tell that was probably the most significant, one of the most significant moments for me. I had a little gal who was five years old. She had never walked before. Her mother was carrying her on her hip. And I talked with her mom and said, you're not going to be able to do this much longer, honey. It's already wreaking havoc on your body. And I asked the OT, occupational therapist, physical therapist, would she be able to walk? Does she have the musculature? Does she have the structure to be able to do it? And they said, yes, with some repatterning, she's got to crawl first. And she'll build up her muscles to be able to walk. And I said, that's our goal this year. She's going to walk. So she's used to being carried around, right? So I use snack time, which is big stuff for a little one. And... Uh, and I'd call her over, come on, honey, come on over to the table. 
there was no way she was going to crawl. She knew how, but she wouldn't. And she sat and screamed the entire, entire snack time, bless her heart. And when snack time was over, we resumed with our activities. And she had to do it on her own. I knew she had to do it on her own. The next day, same thing happened. And my aides were talking to me, saying, please, can we carry her over? And I said, no, no, we've got to let her scream. This is her anger and frustration with what's being asked of her. She's got to have this. And we just need to let it be. And I said, it'll be done in three days. It'll be done. Third day, same thing, same thing. Fourth day, fourth day, this little gal starts to scream and realizes it's not going to do anything. And I hear this, <gasps> she tears, <laughs> big tears. And she gets down on all four and she crawls over. She makes her way to the table. And of course, everybody's ecstatic and excited and welcome her to the table. And that story has stayed with me my entire life, even as I work with adults. Because when we're asked, when we feel that calling to do something that is beyond what we have done before, there is a part of us that goes into immediate resistance. We're screaming, right? right. Why didn't you make this easier? You were yelling at God or the divine, right? Why didn't it easier? It's a hard, and it is until you begin. Yeah. And we begin through our anger and we begin through our tears, but we begin. And once we begin, the doors start opening and we step into our potential. And that's what happened for this little gal. By the end of the year, she was taking independent steps on her own. And that's what we're all doing. Even as adults, right, we're learning how to take our independent steps into the unknown. And it's a little scary, but it's powerful. And when we find that place within us that can hold ourselves in love through it all, and when we find that place within ourselves that pushes us forward into our next steps, then we've got the balance that we need to be able to really create the reality we came here to create. And I think you bring such an important point that, you know, that growth edge of ours is never comfortable and it's rarely easy as we lean into it. And so we might meet with some of that inner resistance, but it's only through pushing or leaning into that, that then we start to discover the gifts that I'm hearing you say that kind of lie in wait for us. That's right. That's right. And you know, one of the things I find is, uh, and I work with a lot of women now, I'm so fortunate, so blessed to work with these very powerful women. And, you know, our tendency, when we have felt stuck, or we felt confused for any period of time is to blame outwardly. And if that doesn't work, then we start blaming inwardly, something must be wrong with me. And that process of surrendering blame, was completely letting go of blame to live in that raw, pure acceptance that it is what it is through a whole series of events, right? My family history, my childhood trauma, my uh, attempts and failures, quote, quote, failures and very loose quotes here because they're learning experiences, right? We're developing our muscles. And the 
that that is all simply part of the experience of being human. We don't have to blame anyone. We could just call it the experience. And when we get to that place where we finally just let go of the anybody has to be wrong and be fully present to the experience, that's where the magic starts happening. That's when you see doorways and openings and portals and beautiful people come into your life and you step into theirs. And now there are these transactions that are catapulting you into the joy of your life. And that for me, that's such a sacred, sweet process that we get to experience together, that we can lean on each other and we can hold each other through those awarenesses. And as my ancestors taught me, we shed our limited bodies to become our limitless selves. I love that. So what guided you to the next place in your life then? Because you went from being a special education teacher, and now you're this wonderful coach and reverend and healer, speaker. How did you get to this place? That's a great question. Because our journeys are shaping us all the way through, right? Every moment counts. But that took me a while to understand. Every step counted. Actually, what happened was I moved with my husband at the time to a state where uh, their requirements for certification were, in my opinion, crazy. Um, I, would have, I was working on my master's and they required I basically retake all of my bachelor's courses that had nothing to do with working with the population of kids I worked with <laughs> because they weren't learning how to read and write. And, <laughs> you know, right. yeah. so it was like, what, you want me to pay for this all over again and put in my time? I don't think so. So instead, I, I went into my passion and my love, which was acting and drama and working with nonprofits, which was great experience and great fun. And in that process, um, doing work and marketing and jobs that were, to me, very creative jobs, I eventually found that inside of me, there was enough of a rebel, thank goodness, uh, that working for other people was not my best course. I was just creating havoc everywhere I went. I really was. I was meant to be on my own. Finally, I did it. I created a consulting business and started doing communications consulting in all kinds of businesses from nonprofits to professional clinics, you know, doctors and, uh, and had my first fortune 500 client. And I loved it, Stephanie. I was so alive and having so much fun. And I had this fabulous mentor who was guiding me along and getting me contracts. I mean, oh, talk about prayers coming true. And one night we were talking about how we needed to, um, not needed to, how we wanted to expand our business together. And Mitch said, you're being very quiet, Lisa. And I said, I know. And I said, Mitch, I've never been happier in my whole life. And there is something I'm supposed to do, and I don't know what it is. And it's not this. And he looked at me with all the wisdom I had come to expect from him, and he said, you have a message for the world, and you need to go find out what it is. And so I went on what I thought was a one-year sabbatical that ended up being 10 years. <laughs> and I lived a native way. I lived close to my elders. I found my Cherokee medicine woman, who was my first um, medicine teacher. I went to sacred sites. I dove into 
my spiritual self and open the doorways to mystical experiences and peak experiences, deeper understandings of who I was and the workings of the cosmos of creation as I was ready to know it. And that led me to a, a different understanding about my sacred work, my sacred self, that eventually morphed into the work I do now, which is very, very much rooted in helping women connect to their sacred feminine essence. That's where your visions live. That's where your dreams guide you. That's where your intuitive energy opens up that shows you your true and full potential and the steps to take for that potential. And then that gorgeous, gorgeous light of expression and sound of expression emerges naturally from you. And that's your gift to the world. So I did find my message. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. I found my message. And now I get the privilege of holding space for women to find that within themselves. That is a beautiful journey. And I know from watching so many now of your videos as I've been researching you, you are such a light, Misa. And it's oftentimes when we hear phrases like sacred feminine, there are people who are like, oh, that sounds kind of woo-woo. And instead, you know, my experience in watching you and listening to you, it's actually just a very deep, profound, in being in tune with the divine, which has nothing to do with woo-woo, but it has really to do with getting in touch with our essential selves and that divine spark within us. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that, Stephanie, thank you for that acknowledgement. That's probably the, the place where I, I feel anchored. You're right. It, it's not a theory. It's not a concept. It's of me. Those mystical experiences that I had where I was pure light, where I was that em ecstatic emanation of light, it is of me. And I know that when we touch those sacred places that we name as sacred feminine, as sacred masculine, what we're really touching is our core essence, the matter we are made of. And when we are conscious with those powerful polarities, then we get to be in a sacred dance. We get to move from space to space. I was just talking with uh, a woman who has also been in this practice with me, that this ancient practice that was handed down to me, she's been in it with me. And how wonderful it is to be that vassal. I say, oh, now it's my time for expression. This is appropriate. And now it's my time to be still and to listen to you and hold you in your essence. That sacred dance is a weaving that is powerful to our acts of creation. And that any man or any woman can choose to connect with at any time. It's not a sex thing. It's not a, I don't even think of it personally as a god or goddess thing it's the matter of creation itself expressed through these personalities of god or goddess or man or woman and to me that is that is joy pure joy to get to be in the dance one of the things that I was so inspired as well in listening to your story is that you had MS and cancer, 
and it felt awful for years, not really knowing what that was. And then you were able to heal yourself physically and emotionally. Can you talk a little bit about that piece of your journey? What what happened in that? Oh my goodness, the ongoing journey. Yes. (laughs) The constant rejuvenation of the body with whatever's going on with it. Again, for me, the real healing came through a willingness to be in this dance. I didn't go to a doctor and get a diagnosis for MS, by the way, or get a diagnosis for cancer. I had spent enough time with my native elders and teachings that uh, the expectation, by the way, by my medicine elder was you went in and asked your body. So that's what I did. And it was through dreams and visions and revelations I was shown that it was MS. I mean, my guides would literally come to me and say, well, it's MS. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, this is cancer. Oh, yeah, but you don't want to know that, do you? (laughs) Okay, no, I don't. But thank you. No, I do. And for me, each time it was the same journey. It was enough attention to silence, to be willing to go in and ask, where is the emotional root of this? Where was the belief in me? Where is the pain point in me that I would manufacture this illness in me? And with respect to the fact that we're bombarded with toxins externally, right? That I had taken in those toxins through my food, through my thoughts, through my beliefs, through unresolved emotions, all of it, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical, every layer needed to be addressed. And that I would sit still and listen. And then I would sing to myself. Because my healing gift is sound medicine, right? So I would sing and I'd record it and listen every day. Every day in a dedicated way until I had the dream or vision that showed me it was cleared. Had you gone to medical doctors? Not for those conditions. I had early on, um, the first major illness I, I de- dealt with um, was actually called hypoadrenal syndrome. Basically, I was producing as much testosterone as a teenage boy. So my female organs were atrophying. I did find a doctor that was finally, after seven years, able to diagnose it and put me on medication for it. And at the same time, instinctively, I knew I needed to do my emotional work. So I was in therapy, I was going to workshops, I was digging in, doing art therapy, everything that I could do to understand why I had broken faith with my femininity, because I was basically becoming a man. And at the root of that, discovered I had been sexually abused. And when it was safe enough, I had a vision that showed me that's what had happened. But I'd actually done almost all the emotional healing work before I had the vision. It's pretty wild. And with that, the support of a doctor that I needed at that time with the emotional support I was getting from amazing men and women in my life. I give thanks for them all the time. I really was able to come to a place eventually where I understood that my abuser had been abused. And I was able to find forgiveness for the little one inside that individual that had been abused. And now that individual has crossed over to the other side and comes to help me in my work now. So 
Stephanie, it really was a journey from a, a very physical level of understanding this masculine energy, this feminine energy, and the effects of abuse on our entire being, and then watched how abuse played out in MS, abuse played out in cancer. Right now I'm healing leaky gut. It plays out in leaky gut that every illness is an opportunity to fall in love with yourself and to love. And I think this is the biggest work of all, to love the places inside of you that you somehow decided weren't lovable and love them. And when they're fully loved, they recover. And that's a grand and powerful journey. It brings me to the point we started speaking about this a little bit before the interview about your holding meditation that you offer. And there's so many wonderful resources on your website that you just offer everyone just for free, just to extend this wonderful healing. And as I had told you, I already was familiar with your voice because I've heard it in my own head during this past week, as I've been participating in and doing that holding meditation. And so I wanted you to to share a little bit about what that meditation is about. And I also wanted to share with you just the important impact that it's already had on my life. And I'm so excited to continue utilizing it. It It's so wonderful to hear. And, And Stephanie, I do get to hear that from women. And it just makes me beam inside. The meditation comes out of an ancient native practice that was brought to me when I received a a medicine gift. It's, It's basically a medicine bowl that's been used in women's ceremonies for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's a great honor and a huge responsibility when you're gifted something like that. And with it, when the ancestors came to me, they took me into this meditation and I started using it every day. And I would take my biggest issues, the things that had been with me my entire life. And as I meditated with it for 30 to 90 days, and of course, anybody who's done deep spiritual, emotional work knows that those are magic numbers, right? For all of us, they're big numbers. So I took an issue in that I'd been working on 30 days every day, holding it in this womb of acceptance. Now, it comes from a traditional practice that believes It was based in sacred feminine work. The women created it lifetime after lifetime. They'd come back and keep working it and working it, developing it. And their belief is that emotions are doorways to awakening. They're not meant to be ignored. And as women, we can't. We really don't do a good job of that for the most part. They really have to be honored. And this was a way of honoring whatever emotion arose arose in the moment. And you work through layers in that 30 to 90 days. So I did. At the end of 30 days, I came out of meditation and I went, it's gone. It's gone. So I got on the phone, called my dear friend, Ariane, who'd been doing the practice with me. And I said, Ariane, this issue that I've been working on for 30 days, it is gone. I know it's gone. And she said, that's awesome, Misa. What was the issue? And I said, I don't remember. (laughs) That's how far gone it was. Now, this same friend that I called tells a story about doing the meditation for 90 days around chronic genetic depression that she'd had for 15 years. And she did the meditation for 90 days. 
And she called me and said, you know that depression I've been dealing with all this time? She said, Nisa, I watched it lift out of my field. It's gone. And three years later, we were having a cup of tea together. And she said, you know that meditation and that depression I was dealing with? I said, yeah, honey. And she said, it's been three years. I haven't had a bout of depression since. It really is gone. Those are the stories that I experience, that I hear from women, because it's a meditation created for women and for our emotions. So now, Stephanie, I want to hear what you've experienced (laughs) with it. Well, without going too much into detail, in the last week, I've kind of had my world rocked a little bit in that my dad had emergency lung surgery. And what we thought was just first pneumonia actually became much more critical. His lung had actually adhered to the side of his chest. When they went in for the surgery, they lifted seven liters of fluid. I mean, he just, he was not doing well. So I was kind of dealing with the reality of that. That was actually very potentially could have been of this life-threatening situation. So you, you kind of get in touch with this, or I got in touch with mortality and, you know, the feelings of losing our parents. And at the same time, discovered that the gentleman I was dating had not been really honest with me. It was the reality of feeling extremely betrayed. And all of this emotion literally all happening on the same day that the surgery happened. So I've been feeling pretty gutted for the last week. And definitely, I mean, I could just feel it. I had a physical sensation in my heart, just carrying around just this heaviness. And so I started doing the holding. And what what I amazingly immediately felt was this room, if you will, around that pain, because you guide in that meditation, the person to address those uncomfortable feelings and bringing love to them so that you're you're holding them in this compassion and this unconditional love and bringing up to mind you even say during the meditation people that really love you so you're really surrounding that energy and then just finding like this place of acceptance for it so what i have experienced in the last week of just doing that is It's, for number one, extremely calming and centering. And I would find this well of self-love, of deeper love than I realized, I think, in those moments that I even had a reservoir of. And so I could already start to feel that healing take place. And three days ago, I went to work for the first time in a week and felt light. And my work is healing work. You know, I'm a psychotherapist, so I sit with people all day long. So to be able to show up in the last several days now, show up and again, just be back in touch with, you know, that divine self, uh, to be in touch with, like I said, that, that reservoir of love that truly is us. And I also want to share with you the night after I did it for the first time, I oftentimes wake up at three o'clock in the morning for whatever reason. I usually just start meditating. And it was this just stream of consciousness where I could suddenly just very clearly put together all these times over and over and over again throughout my adult life when the divine has shown up to guide me to whatever the next place was. 
And the voice in my head said, I have been here guiding you the whole time. Do you think I would desert you now? I've never left. Hey friends, this is Charles with NOCO FM, the podcast network and streaming radio station dedicated to creating diverse shows just like this one and the numerous others that we help produce. We hope you'll consider becoming a supporter on Patreon, which helps us pay our hosts, produce more shows, and allows us to give back to nonprofits in Northern Colorado. Not only do you become part of our community, but giving also gets you access to an incredible selection of exclusive content from all of our creators, starting at just $2 a month. To get started now, just visit noco.fm slash patron and sign up. Once again, that's n-o-c-o dot f-m slash patron. Hope you have a fantastic start to 2019. We've got some big things coming your way. Now, back to the show. So it was just this very, just an extremely powerful experience. So I just, I really have a, just a deep sense of gratitude that I want to relay to you for the work that you're doing in the world and and what you're sharing. Oh, Stephanie, I love what you shared. Oh, how beautiful. That watching everything unravel and come together in its clarity that I'm hearing you describe is really one of the great gifts of this meditation. It has this way, the serenity, the calmness, that, oh, wait a minute, I can hold this. Yes, this has been painful. This has taken me to my edge, and you know what? I, I really can hold this. That connection to a, a deeper sense of love, because as empathic beings, we often connect to the pain, especially when we're in pain. Right. And and what I have also found with this meditation that I heard you describing is that then you're deepening into the sense of love and acceptance that is actually holding the pain. And that allows for this seemingly instant transformation. So, so beautiful. And and I love it because that's that is the gift from our ancestors, right? They've so graciously given to us at a time we really need it as women emerging right now. One of the things that you said, though, that I think is so essential is that so often we want to avoid our own pain and we don't want to hold it. And mm-hmm. so that that is one of the powerful things of that meditation as well, is holding the space for that pain instead of just avoiding it or trying to distract ourselves. And that's one of the things I wanted to speak with you about as well, because it seems to me that we have these programs for happiness. And we oftentimes think that they are external to us. And as we find, it's actually an inside job. So one of the things that I really loved was the 10 most common negative beliefs, limiting beliefs. And as a cognitive behavioral therapist, that's something we really work on is trying to dispel the myth of these automatic thoughts and limiting beliefs that people have. 
So can you share a little bit about that, about what do you find are the most common limiting beliefs and how do they keep us from healing emotionally and physically? Thank you for asking that. You know, the uh, beating the odds, 10 beliefs that can short circuit your healing was a, a PDF that I put together after listening to my clients. And they come to me usually for spiritual perspective. They, they know things are locked up and they're looking for where their connection to the divine is needing new perspective. And what I would hear them saying when we finally kind of got to it were things like, and this one's really common, talk about prayer because this is a big one, that we've been taught as children to ask God for what we want. And what I came to learn by studying with my elders is that is a very young form of prayer. And we often get stuck there because no one's taught us a different way to pray. Right. So we go to God the way that we go to our parents. And you want, when you're little, you want a new bike. So first you try mom or dad, then you try the other parent and you see if you can get what you want. If you can ask it just right on the right day and be a really good kid for a week, weeks, a long time for a kid, a couple days, um, you know, that would be an eternity to get what I want. So we think that our relationship with God is about getting what we want. And if I pray just right, then it will happen. And we do that with our illnesses. We do that with our emotional stuckness. We do that with, I want to have more profound experiences in my own divinity. So then we form this belief that says, if I get it right, then maybe I'll get it. And here's the deal. You've got a 50-50 chance you're going to get it or not. And then when we don't get it, we get mad at God. Because I asked and I did all the right things. Why didn't you give it to me? Which is a very childlike way of praying. It's very different when you approach the divine, however you see the divine, by the way. And it has never mattered to me whether it's goddess or God or the unknowable or the path or the mystery. It's just how we connect with God. So I'm using the word God because that's the one I hear frequently. When we instead open up our hearts to the divine as love, pure love, all accepting love, we get to make our choices. There's no interference with those choices. There's no pushing us. There is simply opportunity. And we give ourselves permission to fall in love with that relationship of the divine within us and the divine outside of us. And we allow ourselves to see reflections. How much divine love is in me in this moment? And what is the world reflecting back to me about my awareness of how loved I am? Then we see the signs all around us. And some of it's nudging us this direction. And some of us some of it is nudging us another direction to get closer to the expression of our alignment with the divine. So our intention is attention to God's will. Because we were born from that will. We were created from that will. Now, when we're in alignment with that love and that will, 
doorways start opening. In fact, we go beyond what we thought we wanted. We start seeing reality opening for us that is way beyond what we might have believed we should get. So no longer is your relationship about what you get from God, but rather it's about your beingness in divine love and acting from the awareness of that beingness. Now your prayers shift and they become a whole lot more about gratitude. Oh my gosh, this came into my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And life gets exciting and it gets clear, right? And that can happen even when you're in your deepest depression. There's that glimmer, that moment when you're relating to life, you're seeing the reflection of that sweet little flower someone brought you. And you're seeing the reflection of the divine in that flower and in the person who loved you so. And you're letting yourself take it in. And that's shifting the pain. So that's one of the biggest ones that I see is this very deep need for us to develop a new way to pray, a new way to be present with the divine so that in fact our reality is opening in ways that are far more splendid than we might have even known to ask for. And I resonate with this also, Misa, at such a personal level. I can remember now 12 years ago when I started my private practice, it's exactly what had happened. I I was, as I hear you describe it now, praying as a child. I had sent out, I had opened my doors, you know, hung up my shingle and uh, had sent out probably 50 to 100 notifications that I was open. And for two weeks, it was crickets, nothing, not a call, nothing. And I had called my father, who also is a very spiritual person. And he had said to me, well, how are you praying for it? And I said, well, basically, you know, the last two weeks, I've been just pleading, you know, God, please, 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 please send me people. And he's, and he said to me, well, you need to shift it. The, the clients are already there. So instead, what I'd like you to do, he said, I want you to write down right now 10 times, thank you, God, for, he said, how many clients do you want to start with? Well, I was still part-time at the school district. So I said, well, I'd like to just start with six. I'm doing it two days a week. That way it would kind of get me in. So he said, I want you really to feel it, bring it into your body, feel it, and then write it out, which I did. I wrote it 10 times. I was really feeling it. I could feel the shift of energy. Well, the next day I got my first client. And the next day after that, and the next day after that, and the next day after that, and the last day I got two. And my practice has continued to be that gift now for 12 years ever since. I have always been full. I have always blessed whoever leaves my practice because I know that they're done with that part of their journey and that the next person that needs that space shows up within the next 24 to 48 hours. And that is literally how it's continued to manifest. Beautiful. Oh, you articulated it so perfectly. It, it is a, it's coming from a, a trust, an absolute, when you're thanking, you're trusting the divine, you're surrendering to what already is. That it's already there, like you said. I mean, sometimes, I mean, yeah, the, the potential of possibilities are so much bigger than we ever could have imagined. 
Yes. And when we stop asking, then it can come in. <laughs> so, and, and I tell my clients, you can ask if you, if you're asking with complete knowingness that it already is, then you can ask. But if you're asking with a, that pleading, it means that 50% of you is thinking it might not happen. So what you manifest is your doubt. Right. Because until you're 100% clear, what you will see is your doubt. It's when you're coming from that absolute clarity, which gratitude shows us so quickly, right? It gets us to that space. You are resonating that vibration. Now the reflections are what you attract is in perfect alignment. So your, your experience is so perfect. That's it. So for you, how besides gratitude, how do you find what helps people the most? First of all, to understand, you talked about one limiting belief. It's understanding the limiting beliefs that they have, and then what? Being willing to acknowledge that what you've been doing isn't working. And that therefore, there's a belief that got set in there somewhere at some point in your life that might need an overhaul. And even beliefs, we will take them into holding the belief itself, because there's a whole bunch of emotional content going with it. And what I find is that my clients are willing to hold the belief, the belief will start to unravel itself in that stillness and in that compassion and love. And they see the pattern, the trend. Oh, that was what my mother used to think. And oh my gosh, my grandmother was experiencing something similar. And now they can say, oh, well, I get how that got formed, but it doesn't work very well. So what else is there? And now you're stepping into the unknown. And that's an act of trust. You say, I don't know what the new belief might be. But I'm willing to hold that within creation, there's a better belief that's broader, more expansive, more focused, whatever it is I need that allows me to have more freedom and more joy in my life. And to be willing, and this is the tricky part, to be still instead of trying to make it happen. Because a part of us is used to fixing. Oh, something's wrong. And if I just can analyze that enough and get in there and twist it around <laughs> another way, it'll work. And there is a place for the analytical mind, for sure, but not in that moment. Once it is unraveled, and this is what we learn in the sacred feminine mysteries, there is actually a place in which to go deeper into the silence, even deeper, where the mind is still and quiet. Everything is still. And when it gets still enough, the new awareness will surge through you like a bolt of lightning. And it comes with, you described it, that absolute clarity, right? And it's, oh, this is me now. This is my expression for this now. Not forever, because it's going to change again as you expand. But for this moment, your concept of yourself is more expanded. And so we're, we're working within the silence and the expression, the expansions and the contractions of our own divinity. And it is that moment of silence that is the treasure to open to. So what do you think limits us the most 
from being in touch with this? What gets in our way? Our conditioning. It really is our conditioning. I think it's that energetically, we've been living in a primarily masculine energy for thousands of years. And as it was ordained, there doesn't mean anything was wrong. And in that beautiful masculine energy, we have created the most amazing inventions, right? That have accelerated us. Our minds have expanded in the most marvelous ways. But in that, or with it, we've denied that stillness, except within some spiritual practices. We've denied that absolute stillness and its significance. I mean, how many of us grew up with, you know, the the concept that idleness was the devil's work? Basically, we were saying your sacred feminine is evil. And we have all kinds of cultural references that have aligned yin energy, darkness, stillness with something that's evil. And it's not. It's not at all. That talk about a belief that has been perpetuated that is absolutely false. In fact, it is our yin essence. It is our stillness. As we've discovered even in business where our creativity emerges. For the past 20 years, 30 years even, Avant-garde businesses have been recognizing they needed to create quiet and still time for their employees. They were installing pool tables right in the break room because you need time to not be analyzing, not fixing, not putting pieces together. Yeah. And I know like Google has nap pods. Yeah. You know, here's this huge corporation and and they have nap pods so people can just go and be quiet or listen to music because they find that then they are much more creative. They do have many more resources because of exactly what you're saying. Exactly. My client used to tell my husband he used to do branding and uh, naming products and they'd finish a meeting and they'd say, Jeff, go take a shower. (laughs) <laughs> because that's where he got his best ideas. It's our nature. When, when the mind gets still and quiet, there's an opportunity for brilliance to come through. And that stillness is sacred feminine essence. That is the womb of creation. That's where all potential lives in that stillness. So what I find the most challenging place for many of us to get to is to get still enough to be playful enough to allow our minds to go to another place where those brilliant insights, the incredible clarity can actually burst through. Then we can put our analytical mind back to work. Of course, we need both aspects, both the masculine analytical side and that feminine stillness and intuitive nature. We need both. That's the piece, I think, that those of us living today who really want to see this world thrive and humanity thrive in the way we can. That's the piece that's been missing and that we get to bring into full acknowledgement and recognition. So as we are able to still ourselves and become attuned, if you will, maybe to what already is inside of us or wants to be expressed through us, then as yourself, you know, then, then those are the gifts that we can bring out and share with others and to humanity. And it's the very best of us. 
what I find when I'm working with people as we're going into their life purpose, their, their spiritual contract, we often try to figure it out like it's a job. It doesn't work like that. Your truest sense of self and purpose comes out of that divine origination. It's an impulse that has been with you since before you were conceived. And when you connect with that impulse, then it can be expressed through a variety of different careers. You get to choose what is the path that allows you to make the the best income for your family and the greatest satisfaction and meet all of the requirements that you have because it's not confined to a career or a job. It's honoring that impulse within you and its longing and its expression. So we live more satisfying lives. Yes, we're aligned. We're aligned. And that brings us more joy. It reduces our stress. It literally heals us both physically and emotionally. I mean, we could continue talking for three more episodes, I'm sure, <laughs> because there's so much content here. And, and I feel like I barely scratched the surface of the many questions that I have for you. But I just want to thank you. And this time with you has just been so special for me. Is there anything that you feel like it's important that comes through that maybe we didn't touch base on? I want to make sure that we're giving you space to express whatever other message that is important to share right now. Oh, thank you for that. More than anything in my practice, Stephanie, what comes up for me repeatedly is as I'm working with my clients, as I'm working with my circles or doing ceremony, is this sense of celebration and pride in the beautiful, beautiful beings that I get to meet. I have so much hope. This is going to make me cry. (laughs) I have so much hope for humanity because I see what is rich and amazing and special. Even in the midst of our struggles, there is this core of dedication to love and opening and purpose that inspires me every single day. And as I'm thinking about your listeners and I'm tapping into some of those beautiful souls, there's this rich wealth of beingness that your listeners embody that is heartwarming and powerful. And uh, so I'd just like to take this moment to bow to you and your listeners for the incredible energy that you're bringing and creating in the world. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here for all of us. Thank you so much. How do people find you? The best place to find me is at sacredfeminineawakening.com. Because when you go there, you can download the holding uh, meditation as a gift. And it is my um, mission and my intention to bring that holding meditation to as many women and men who are opening to their sacred feminine as I can possibly reach in the world in this lifetime. So I hope your listeners will go there and get the meditation and experience it for themselves. Wonderful. And it is a beautiful, beautiful gift. Thank you so much, Misa. Thank you for this time with me. Oh, my delight. It's been wonderful getting to spend this time with you.
My conversation with Misa was such an absolute delight. It was one of those conversations where you feel already in an altered state of consciousness, just this heightened state. Her love and caring are so palpable through her conversation. Through healing her own life and learning how that continued healing will evolve and develop throughout our lives, she brings this message to all of us, how when we begin to be silent, when we can get that chattering analytical self out of the way, we're able to deepen our knowingness of ourself and the divinity within us as we're able to silent that voice and hold the space to just be in silence and allow that deeper essence of us to emerge. We all have limiting beliefs and we've all been programmed the way that we were brought up by our cultures to have certain limiting beliefs about ourselves. The one I most often hear in my practice is, I'm not good enough. And it shows and expresses itself through all sorts of varieties and forms. The truth is we are good enough. That's just a program message we've heard over and over so many times that, like Misa said, it becomes a mantra and something that we've said so many times that we believe that it's true, although it is the furthest thing from the truth. As we open up to the divine spark that's within us, it can ignite that deeper part of us that is truly in touch with the divine and in touch with potentiality that is beyond what we could have ever imagined. We are the miracle makers. We have the potential to live the kind of lives that we've only dreamed of. As we get our egos and our analytical minds out of the way, we embrace the deeper parts of ourselves and we allow that divine self to emerge. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, We'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.